we are fighting a war against Russia. We can fight this war only together. It is now becoming impossible to deny that the West is engaged in a proxy war against Russia in Ukraine. The German government has come out and said openly, quote, we are fighting a war against Russia. Those are comments that were made by Germany's foreign minister, who is an anti-Russia hawk, Annalena Baerbock. She was speaking at the Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe on January 24th, and she said, Europe is at war with Russia. Here are some of those clips, and then I'll respond and explain the dangerous context. Yes, we have to do more to defend Ukraine. Yes, we have to do more also on tanks. But the most important and the crucial part is that we do it together and that we do not do the blame game in Europe because we are fighting a war against Russia and not against each other. Thank you. Russia's war of aggression is not only a war against Ukraine, it is a war against the common European peace order. Obviously, Ukraine needs more military support, but not only by one country like mine or the US, by all of us. We can fight this war only together. This is about our common European peace order, and this is why we are calling with regard to tanks and other support for a big, big uh, international uh, group. Those are the words of the foreign minister of Germany, the most powerful country in Europe, the de facto leader of the European Union. I have an article about this over at geopoliticaleconomy.com. I have linked to it in the description below. And in that article, you can find all of the sources that I discussed today in this analysis so you can fact check for yourself. Now, just one day after Baerbach made those comments, Germany announced that it's going to be sending its tanks, its Leopard 2 tanks, to Ukraine. This is a massive escalation of the proxy war. And in those remarks, Annalena Baerbach made it clear that Germany sees the proxy war in Ukraine not as a war simply between Russia and Ukraine, but as a war between Europe and Russia. And she claimed that by attacking Ukraine, Russia is attacking all of Europe and all of its institutions. Here's another clip. This war is not only led by military action from Russia. This war from Russia against Ukraine, against the European peace order, also attacks our justice system. It attacks the institution like the Council of Europe. It attacks the international criminal law. So I, speaking here as a foreign minister of Germany, but also as a European, Yes, we have to do more military aid. The situation is very dangerous and it's getting more dangerous by the day. I don't need to remind people that Russia is a nuclear armed power and the United States is also directly involved in this conflict. So the possibility of this escalating to a nuclear war, it's a very dangerous, very real possibility that we should consider. And these are not the only comments that have been made by a Western leader acknowledging that the war in Ukraine is not simply a conflict between Russia and Ukraine. It is a proxy war between Russia and NATO and really the United States as the leader of NATO. We've seen similar comments, for instance, from the U.S. President Joe Biden in March 2022. He gave a speech in Poland in which Biden declared that Putin 
the Russian president, quote, cannot remain in power. He made it clear that Washington's goal is regime change in the Kremlin, overthrowing the Russian government. And then in April, just a few weeks later, the U.S. Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, said that the U.S. goal is to, quote, weaken Russia. And Lloyd Austin, also I should mention, was, until he became Defense Secretary, head of the Pentagon, he was a member of the board of directors of the weapons corporation Raytheon. And there was also an article published in The Atlantic magazine, which is the de facto voice of the Washington foreign policy establishment. And this article was published back in March, and it's, it was by Elliot Cohen, who is a former top um, representative of the U.S. State Department, a top State Department official. And in this article, he wrote very clearly, he said, the United States and its NATO allies are engaged in a proxy war with Russia. They are supplying thousands of munitions and hopefully doing much else, sharing intelligence, for example, with the intent of killing Russian soldiers. And the former State Department official added, quote, to break the will of Russia and free Ukraine from conquest and subjugation, many Russian soldiers have to flee, surrender or die. And the more and faster, the better. So we've seen more and more of these comments growing, but they're particularly concerning coming from the foreign minister of Germany, considering that Germany is the most powerful country in Europe. It's the de facto leader of both the European Union and the Council of Europe. And the Council of Europe was an organization formed in 1949 at the end of World War II as an alliance of the different anti-communist European countries against the Soviet Union. It was also at the same time when NATO was formed, which was led by the United States, of course. And from the very beginning, people have always said that the point of NATO, famously the slogan is, it's about keeping Russia out, Germany down, and also the U.S. on top. That's the goal of NATO. It's preventing a Eurasian integration politically and economically between Russia and Germany, Germany being one of the most significant powers in Europe. And Germany has been involved in this proxy war in other ways, not only through sending weapons. When Annalena Baerbock, the foreign, the foreign minister, says that Germany and Europe as a whole is at war with Russia, well, we've seen this in, reflected in reports, for instance. The New York Times published an article back in June 2022 titled Commando Network Coordinates Flow of Weapons in Ukraine, and it acknowledges the involvement of the U.S. government and numerous European governments in helping to wage war on Russia. They note that Ukraine's ability to resist Russia's invasion depends more than ever on help from the United States and its allies, including a stealthy network of commandos and spies rushing to provide weapons, intelligence, and training. Much of this work, work happens at bases in Germany and also bases in France and Britain, of course, all those countries are members of NATO. And they note that dozens of commandos from other NATO countries, including Britain, France, Canada, and Lithuania, are working inside Ukraine, training and advising Ukrainian troops, providing an on-the-ground conduit for weapons and other aid. Shortly after Russia invaded Ukraine in February, the U.S. Army's 10th Special Forces Group, which before the war had been training Ukrainian commandos at a base in Ukraine's west, quietly established a coalition planning cell in Germany to coordinate military assistance to Ukrainian commandos and other Ukrainian troops. 
that cell has now grown to 20 nations. So two dozen countries are involved, Western countries, the United States and European countries, and they are working in Germany to oversee this proxy war against Russia in Ukraine. There have been many other reports about this. I've talked about them in my analyses. Yahoo News, for instance, published a report back in January before Russia even invaded Ukraine, in which they acknowledged that the CIA has been training Ukrainian forces both in Ukraine and in the United States since, since just after the U.S. organized coup in Ukraine, which overthrew the democratically elected government in Kiev in February 2014. And that government had been geopolitically neutral. And then the U.S. helped install a pro-Western regime, which set off a civil war. And the former U.S. ambassador to Russia, who's now CIA director William Burns, warned in a confidential State Department cable in 2008 that if, if NATO expanded up to Ukraine, that would cause a civil war in Ukraine, which is exactly what happened. And it would force Russia to decide whether or not to intervene. And of course, Russia did intervene. So the U.S. knew this was going to happen. And by organizing the coup in 2014, the U.S. basically made it inevitable. And we now have reports as well. I, I have a separate um, report about this, and I will link to it in the description below. And that is that a journalist in the United States who is a U.S. military veteran who was involved in special operations forces and has contacts in U.S. intelligence agencies. His name is Jack Murphy. He published a report revealing that the CIA and a European ally, a European NATO ally, are carrying out sabotage attacks inside Russian territory. So the U.S. and Europe and NATO are quite literally attacking Russia, not only in Ukraine, but they're attacking Russia inside Russian territory. And the situation is very dangerous. When were the people of Europe or the people of the United States asked if they want a war with Russia? They were never asked that. In fact, some polls have shown that the vast majority of people in Europe want peace. This, there was a poll that was done in 2022 by a right-wing Hungarian group. I strongly disagree with its politics. It's called Sasadveg, the Sasadveg Foundation. Um, I deeply disagree with many of their political views, but unfortunately there are so few organizations doing polls to see who actually wants war with Russia because there's so much war hysteria across Europe. So this Hungarian group interviewed people across almost all countries in Western Europe and they found that in every single country, a majority of people agree with the statement. Russia and Ukraine should be forced into peace talks in order to end the war. And in fact, in some in many countries, over 80 or even close to 90 percent of the population wants peace. In Portugal, 89 percent. In Spain, 87 percent. In Italy, 86 percent. In France and in Germany, 81 percent of people want peace talks between Russia and Ukraine. And yet the German government didn't ask the people if they want to be at war with Russia. As Annalena Baerbock says, they are at war. And to try to sell this war, Baerbock claimed in her speech that Putin is threatening all of Europe. She said, the Council of Europe is more important than ever as a place which embodies the very pan-European unity that Putin wants to destroy. So this is always the narrative like with the US so-called war on terror, where the government tries to convince people 
They're supposedly threatened by this country that has no interest in actually harming them. Russia has no interest in the rest of Western Europe. It, Russia has interest specifically in Ukraine as a country on its border with a, with a massive border where the Ukrainian government, Zelensky, has repeatedly talked about, about hosting nuclear weapons that could reach Moscow in five, a five-minute flight time. He's, Russia is, is very concerned about Ukraine on its border with a massive border becoming a member of NATO an offensive military alliance that destroyed Yugoslavia, that destroyed Libya, that waged war in Afghanistan. Russia is already, it already has the Baltic states as members of NATO that are right on its border. Russia is not concerned with France and Spain. I mean, Britain, no, this is, this is part of this propaganda. And it's about preventing Russia and Germany from integrating economically and politically. And Annalena Baerbock said, in another, in after she gave the speech, she said that in this era marked by Russia's war, we have to defend our rights and liberty. So this is always just like, you know, the United States said that the U.S. has to invade Iraq to defend freedom or whatever. This is the same kind of war propaganda we always hear. And the political goal in all of this is very clear. The United States is essentially pushing Germany into the line of fire. That is the argument that was made by a leftist member of the German parliament, the Bundestag. Her name is Sevim Dagdalen, and she is the spokeswoman for the left party, which is called Die Linke. And she's a member of the Bundestag's Committee on Foreign Affairs and a deputy member of the Defense Committee. And she's been a member of the German parliament since 2005. And she published a really good article that's titled German Tanks in Russia. The U.S. wants to send Germany into the line of fire. And this German leftist politician spells out that the U.S. is trying to use Germany as cannon fodder in an imperial war to prevent Eurasian integration. She writes, This is obviously about passing Germany the poisoned chalice. Berlin is to be sent into the line of fire to conclusively destroy German-Russian relations and turn them into open war for others' benefit. And when she says others, she means U.S. corporations' benefit. She says, the debate about, about sending the tanks, and that debate's over, R Germany is going to send these tanks in a massive escalation of the proxy war. She says, this debate, re debate reveals the dangerous limits on German sovereignty. Ultimately, the German government cannot decide independently on delivering tanks, Bear in mind, this would entail the greatest security threat to face the German population since World War II. The United States, however, has sufficient influence in the governments of its fellow NATO countries to achieve the outcome it desires. This applies with respect to Germany, too. She says, Germany, it appears, is supposed to draw Russia's counterfire. One cannot escape the impression that it is hoped a possible counterstrike would hit Berlin first and foremost. The United States would thus have achieved one of its long-term strategic objectives to prevent cooperation between Germany and Russia forever. And this is confirmed in the book, The Grand Chessboard, that was published in 1997 by the U.S. imperial strategist Zbigniew Brzezinski, he was the national security advisor under U.S. President Jimmy Carter. He was the architect of the 
U.S. proxy war in Afghanistan, the proxy war against Moscow, against the Soviet Union. And in, he wrote in his book that the United States may have to determine how to cope with regional coalitions that seek to push it out of Eurasia, thereby, thereby threatening the United States status as a global power. And he said very clearly in this book, I'll read a few quotes from this. He said, Eurasia has been the center of world power. For the first time ever, a non-Eurasian power has emerged, not only as the key arbiter of Eurasian power, but also as the world's paramount power. The United States is the world's first truly global power. He wrote this back in 1997 at the peak of U.S. unipolar imperialist hegemony in which the U.S. empire controlled the entire world, basically. And he said that he says that whether the U.S. remains, whether the U.S. prevents the emergence of a dominant and antagonistic Eurasian power remains central to the United States' capacity to exercise global primacy. U.S.-American foreign policy must remain concerned with the geopolitical dimension and must employ its influence in Eurasia in a manner that creates a stable continental equilibrium with the United States as the political arbiter. Eurasia is thus the chessboard on which the struggle for global primacy continues to be played. And in this book, in 1997, Brzezinski said that the biggest threats to U.S. imperialist hegemony over Eurasia were, one, the creation of what he called an anti-hegemonic coalition led by China, Russia, and Iran. That's exactly what has happened in the emergence of this new multipolar world with this alliance between China, Russia, and Iran. But in this book, The, the Grand Chessboard in 1997, he also warned another threat to U.S. imperialist hegemony would be what he referred to as a Russo-German alliance. That is an alliance between Moscow and Berlin. And that is exactly what the United States has been trying to prevent in order to maintain its imperial control over Eurasia and therefore in order to maintain its unipolar imperialist control over the global economy. It is to prevent Germany and Russia from economically and politically integrating and by extension, preventing Germany from economically and politically integrating with China as the world's largest economy, according to purchasing power parity. Germany is a major industrial superpower, one of the world's largest exporters with a massive current account surplus. And if Germany, its German industrial engine could be economically integrated with Russia's massive resource potential, with Russia's oil and gas, its huge energy reserves, its huge mineral reserves, then that would be an unstoppable economic power. If they can integrate it also with China's a massive industrial capacity, Eurasia could easily overpower the United States and the hegemony of U.S. corporations, which want to control the world as they did in the 1990s. So that is the goal of the U.S. pushing Germany into Russia's line of fire. That is why the Nord Stream pipelines between Russia and Germany were blown up. They were sabotaged. That is why the United States threatened sanctions on the Nord Stream pipelines and CIA director turned Secretary of State under Donald Trump, Mike Pompeo, said that the United States would do everything it could to prevent the Nord Stream 2 pipeline from opening. And it never was opened, and it probably never will be opened. So 
Finally, going back to this article from this German leftist politician from the Die Linke, the left party, she said in this article, Savim Dagdalin, she said, in the context of the US policy of confrontation with the Eurasian bloc, Germany and Japan are to become frontline states with limited sovereignty for the United States. She says, in this situation, the German warmongers, people like the foreign minister Baerbock, are, quote, acting as if they want primarily to serve the interests of U.S. corporations and the United States as a whole. So Sifing Dagdalen points out this is all about U.S. corporations profiting from, from all of this and maintaining their imperial hegemony so they can explo exploit the natural resources and markets and labor of the planet. And she says that now what we are seeing is the country is, the country no longer believes, our society no longer believes in social progress and is being swept along by a destructive oligarchization of the economic and political spheres while masses of people slip into poverty. So she's talking about how capitalism inherently pushes for war. And she says, anyone who is really interested in defending democracy in Germany cannot leave the stage to the mouthpieces of a bored bourgeoisie just because they are afraid to be derided as stooges of the enemy. That is what happened in the First World War, and it must not happen again. We must do all we can to put a spanner in the works for Germany's warmongers. And of course, when she says spanner, that actually that's for people in the US, that's a wrench. In Britain, they say spanner to refer to a wrench. That's their version of saying, and this was translated by Jeremy Corbyn's new organization, which is called Liberation in, in Britain. And when they say throw a spanner, they mean throw a wrench into the gears. So this German politician, Sevim Dagdalen, member of Bundestag, was calling for throwing a, a wrench into the gear of the German war machine. She's a very, very impressive politician, probably the best, one of the best politicians in Germany, consistently anti-war, anti-imperialist. And she also has been a huge supporter of Julian Assange, calling for him to be freed the political prisoner and journalist. So people can follow her over at Twitter at Sevim Dagdalen. And if they want to read her article, they can go to check out the article that I wrote over at geopoliticaleconomy.com. I have links to all of the sources that I discussed today. And I will always be reporting on this very dangerous situation. I'm very concerned it could escalate even potentially to nuclear war, which would mean nuclear apocalypse. I mean, we are in a very dangerous historical moment, and I will always be here reporting on it daily, and I will be providing analysis here at Geopolitical Economy Report. If you want to support the work that I do here, you can go to geopoliticaleconomy.com support, or you can become a patron over at patreon.com slash geopoliticaleconomy. Any support you could provide goes a long way. We are completely independent. We have no institutional support. And I will be here. I, I'm Ben Norton. I will be back very soon for more reporting and analysis here and always as a video version at YouTube and also a podcast version for people who prefer listening. I'm Ben Norton. I'll see you next time. Thanks a lot.